We'll have our opening prayer, which I ask you to, to stand and join with me. It will be a, a prayer in response, and it will be on the, on the screen. Come, Lord. Into our troubles and weaknesses, into the daring places of our souls, come, Lord. Come down, come in, come among us, and make us whole. Into the war-torn and the refugee, into those who live in conflict, come, Lord. Come down, come in, come among us, and make us whole. Into the homeless and the unemployed, into those who feel abandoned, come, Lord. Come down, come in. Come among us and make us whole. Into the sick and the disabled, into those with Ebola and with cancer, come, Lord. Come down, come in, come among us and make us whole. Into the poor and the starving, into those who are oppressed or abused, come, Lord. Come down, come in, come among us and make us whole. Into the lives of loved ones, into those from whom we are estranged, come, Lord. Come down, come in, come among us, and make us whole. Into our joys and celebrations, into our work and our achievements, come, Lord. Come down, come in, come among us, and make us whole. O Christ, we long for your coming. Hasten that day when those who seek you in every nation will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit at the table in your kingdom. Hasten the day when your kingdom will come in all its glory and suffering and pain and sickness and oppression and death will be overcome forever. Hasten the day when we will be resurrected as a great multicultural family and live in peace, harmony, joy, and love together in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Take three minutes, three minutes, and greet your neighbors. Our scripture reading this morning for this final Sunday of Advent comes from Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4 and 19 through 26 keeping in mind that the theme for today is love. Listen now for a word from the Lord. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I will declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David, I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Then you spoke in a vision to your faithful one and said, I have set the crown on one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil I have anointed him. My hand shall always remain with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. 
I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name his horn shall be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our savior, our prince of peace, our Emmanuel. Amen. Well, that time of year, folks, we, uh, we have arrived at the place. Of course, we've been talking about how this year is kind of weird. It's the shortest Advent season that can be. Your, your Advent can either be 22 days long all the way up to 28 days long. This is one of the 22, which means uh, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We light the fourth candle, but tonight we're going to go ahead and light the Christ candle as we usher in Christmas Day tomorrow morning. You know, one of my favorite hymns uh, that doesn't get much airplay uh, is a song called Love Came Down at Christmas. I wanted to read you just some of the words from this hymn. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead, love incarnate, love divine. Worship we our Jesus, but wherewith for sacred sign. Love shall be our token. Love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and all men or neighbor. Love to God and neighbor. Love for plea and gift and sign. I love this idea that love came down at Christmas because that's what Christmas is. Cosmic love. John calls it the word, the logos that has been around since the very beginning, was with God and is God, at a particular moment in history, decided to take on flesh and live among us. And we call that one Emmanuel, God with us. The name of that one, we call him Jesus, but really it is love. It is love divine, love eternal, love immortal, and Jesus comes among us and teaches us, above all things, love God and love neighbor. If you do these two things, you will be well. This is what Jesus teaches us. Take all the Old Testament and boil it down into two commands, love God and love neighbor. While Advent ends tonight and we enter into the Christmas season, obviously we are still waiting for the return of Jesus. Advent is this dual-purpose thing. We remember the first coming of Jesus, the coming. Advent means coming. We remember the first coming of Jesus, but we on this side of that first Christmas, we have been waiting for Jesus to return. And we've been talking about how do we wait. We have talked about waiting with hope, waiting with peace, waiting with joy. But after 2,000-plus years... I don't have to tell you that hope can begin to fade. Hope can only last so long. 
Uh, Hope that is not fulfilled makes the heart sick, the Old Testament tells us. Peace can be fleeting. Yes, we long for peace, but just turn on your TV and you'll know that uh, we are nowhere near peace in the world. Joy. Joy is great until it flips and it turns into maybe he's forgotten all about us or maybe we got it all wrong. I think about that moment Jesus hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Joy is hard to hold on to. And perhaps today's candle, the fourth candle which represents love, perhaps this is the key to an advent that stretches on and on and on. As Paul told us, you know, in the end, only three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. And love will be the greatest of these three. And so I love our psalm today, Psalm 89, because the psalmist begins with these words about love. God, I will proclaim your love to all generations, your faithful and steadfast love. I will talk about it over and over and over to anyone who will listen. And I wonder sometimes if we have messed that simple message up. Growing up as a kid, I don't know if it was ever explicitly said, but this is what I heard as a kid. God loves you if you pray a certain prayer. It was called the... the, Jesus prayer or the prayer of salvation or whatever. God loves you if you pray this. Or God loves you if you believe the right things. Or God loves you if you make sure to confess your sin. Or any other number of things that we add as a condition to God's Christmas love. That's what I heard as a kid. We love to read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, dot, 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 But we don't go on to verse 17. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. We forget that part. You see, according to the Scriptures, this love is not conditional. There are no conditions to this love. It just is. God is love. As the psalmist says, Your love, O God, is steadfast and faithful and as firm as the heavens themselves. Love has the power to transform our lives if you believe it. See, that's, that's where, the, that's where the, the thing comes in. You have to know it and believe it. Love has power as long as you give yourself over to it. One of my favorite singers, Matthew Ward, has this song, beautiful song. He talks about how when he was a kid, he walked in uh, his mom's room and caught her praying, and she was praying for him to come to the Lord. But he didn't want to hear anything about that, and so he turned and left. But the chorus, he said, Love has the power to make the weakest man tower, to make the strongest man cower. God has no end to his power. Love is a fire whose flames reach higher and higher. Love burns with endless desire to see us whole. I love that because he goes on to say in the song, my mom didn't get to live to see that love finally caught me. Love finally got me, and now I know. And she didn't get to see that, but I know that her prayers were effective for me, and I wish I could go back to that day that I walked in that room. But love has the power. 1 John 4, 
tells us God is love itself. And that this divine love perfects us and casts out all of our fears. What kinds of things are we afraid of? I can tell you the things that I have been afraid of in my life. Fear of punishment, fear of hell, fear of death, fear of God Himself, fear of people that are different than me, fear of loss, fear of change, fear of sickness, illness, taxes, car wrecks, right? Hospitals. These are the kinds of things that I fear in my life. And 1 John tells us, you know, God's love has the power to remove all of that fear. It's called perfection in love. It's something that John Wesley talked about quite a bit. In fact, it's interesting because the Old Testament says something we put on bumper stickers. Fear is the beginning of wisdom. Have you ever heard that before? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Guess what? It's just the beginning. Because 1 John 4 tells us that love is the completion of it. Fear is a great place to start, but you got to move past fear. you got to move into something else. Love, because fear will never get you through to the end. And when you are waiting for the return of Christ, fear is not a place that you can dwell. You have to put your trust in the love that came down at Christmas. This is why the Christmas story is so, so important. Because in it, we begin to comprehend what kind of God we serve. Who is this God? What is this God like? How does this God feel about us? We begin to grasp that in the Christmas story with the birth of Jesus. We see God's love presented to us in a very humble way. Very humble way. This is not the way I would expect a God to make an appearance on earth. The gods come with thunderbolts and lightning and they come with power and force. And our God comes in a very humble way in a stable, you know, a manger laying in a manger with shepherds coming to witness it. Not the way I expected at all. And then with the life and death of Jesus, we see a God who is all about healing and self-sacrificing. A God who would rather die than have us die. This is the kind of God that we serve. We begin to see this in the person of Jesus. With the resurrection, we see God's love has the ability and the power and the promise to carry us through to the other side of the grave. This is the God that we meet in the Christmas story and beyond. We have this fancy word in theology. Jesus makes atonement. It's a made-up word. It's a word that we created for theological persons. It's, it's several words. At-one-ment. At-one-ment. How does God become one with humanity? How does Jesus bring two that were formerly separated back together? How does he make us at one with God? We have all kinds of theories about how Jesus does that. But my personal favorite is the idea that Jesus comes to dismantle our fears about God. Adam and Eve sin, first thing they do is get out of there. God is not a place you want to be whenever you've messed up. And so they run and hide, and God goes and looks for them. And we have been running and hiding from God ever since. You see, we are the ones. We are the ones that turn away. And Jesus comes to say, God is among you right here, right now. You are safe. You're in the safest place you can be. Even in your sin, everything is going to be okay. That's how Jesus makes atonement for us. 
And I suspect that if we would just quit worrying about if we have all the right information, all these denominations that we have out there, we have the right answer. No, we have the right answer. No, we've got the right set of rules. No, we have the right set of beliefs. No, we have the right creeds, whatever. If we would just stop worrying about if we have the right information or if we are doing it right, if we just got down to the nuts and bolts of what Jesus taught us, love God and love neighbor above all else, that if we were to do that, that perhaps all the pieces would just fall into place. I wonder that. But that seems too simple, right? just seems too simple. Or maybe it's too hard. <laughs> and that's why we don't do it. As we sit here on the fourth Sunday of Advent 2023, I've imagined what it would be like when Jesus came back as a kid. I was afraid of it because I was told certain things might happen when that happens and I might not be ready or in the right place. And boy, I, I had dreams and hopes for the future and I thought, I, I, don't, I don't want you to come back because there's certain things I want to accomplish before that happens. And but then at the same time, my grandparents are getting older, and I'm going, but I want you to come back before my grandparents die because I don't want to lose them. And gosh, all this anxiety uh, uh, kind of built up. And do I want him to come back or not? I don't really know. But it could happen at any moment. And so here I am on the verge of turning 50 in a couple months. A lot of time has passed by. Over 2,000 years, Jesus has not come back yet. And I don't know why it's taking so long. But I do know this, that if you rest in the love of God, you don't have to get anxious about it anymore. It'll happen when it happens, and it'll be okay. See, that's what love has the power to do. I don't know how final judgment would play out. We get all these images in the Bible of separation of wheat and tares and sheeps and goats and Gehenna and lakes of fire and I don't know how that all will play out, but I do know this, God loves us, and so we don't have to worry about it. That's what love has the power to do. Don't worry about it. Just love God and love neighbor. I don't know what to do with the concept of hell or, or where it even fits in my theology, right? You get a lot of questions about hell. What do you do with this, Pastor? I don't know, but I know God loves us, and so I refuse to be afraid of it. I refuse to be, I'm not going to be afraid of it anymore. Because either God is love or God is not. And, and, and if you can just rest in His love, you'll trust that a loving God is going to do the right and the perfect and the loving thing. End of story. We don't have to worry about it. See, my hope as a pastor is that I can kind of be like this psalmist maybe. Maybe not as good as the psalmist. I don't, I don't know if my words will be around thousands of years later, but, but the psalmist said, I'm going to speak about your love to anyone and everyone that will hear. To all generations, I'm going to speak about what I know to be true. You are steadfast and faithful, as firm as the heavens. And so I'm going to keep talking about the love of God over and over and over and over until we start to believe it, until I start to believe it, until we start to internalize it and it actually becomes something that affects how we live our day-to-day -day lives. I don't know what's going to happen in this next moment, but I know God loves us. I don't know why that person said that to me. It hurt my feelings, but I know God loves us. I don't know what's going to happen with world affairs and, and the economy and, and I, the next presidency. I don't know, but I know God loves us. And so I'm going to just rest in that. 
That's where I want us to get. Because love is the only thing that's going to get us through the waiting and the tough times. And then here's the craziest thing of of all crazy things. And Chuck said it. Yes, love came down at Christmas. Love came in the person of Jesus. But this love also lives in you. Christ is born in us each and every year. Every time we turn our uh, trust over in faith to Jesus, love is born in us. And it's that same divine love that came in Christ. There's a mystic. I don't know who said it, but there's a mystic who said, you are the love with which I love thee. And I thought, man, that's incredible. Chew on that for a second. The love that brings you here this morning to worship God is God. You are the love with which I love you. You are the love with which I love my neighbor. You are the love with which I love myself. God is that love that comes down at Christmas. This love is available for us to turn to at any moment. You don't have to conjure it. You don't have to beckon it. You don't have to try to entice it. It is already there. It's there for you to meditate upon. It is there for you to claim at any time. We just forget. We forget. We get wrapped up in our fears, in our worries. And Jesus says, I'm right here. I'm right here. Folks, as one, many ones who are made in the image of God according to Genesis, as image bearers, as individual images of God sitting here this morning, as one who is called a child of God, my deepest prayer is that we can rest in that love, the love which created you, the love which fills you, the love which surrounds you, the love that came in Jesus and was born tomorrow morning as we wake up and we celebrate and think about that love. May that love flow through you and back out into the world. May you have a very Merry Christmas. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all grab the hand of the person next to you and receive this Christmas Eve Advent 4 blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know you're perfectly loved. You'll spend your whole life trying to figure out what that means to be perfectly loved, but when you figure it out, you'll know. You're perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. Oh, my goodness. Now you're called to go out into the world today and live as the light of Christ. Christ is born in you this Christmas season. You're going to forget that sometimes. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make some choices that are selfish. But even in that moment, that perfect love of God doesn't turn away from you, doesn't look at you any different. In fact, God looks at you and says, oh, if you only knew you were the best of the best of the best. And if you could believe that today, this would be the best Christmas ever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.